0: How often in business do we have the opportunity to take somewhat of a timeout and really focus on sharpening what matters the most and that's the value that we bring to the marketplace and helping the people that work in the company professionally develop so they can be the best they can possibly be.
1: I'm Amy Jo Martin, welcome to the Why Not Now Show. That thing you've been thinking about doing? Yeah, that one. Why not now? Have you ever actually taken the time to ask yourself, what's stopping me? Let's talk it through. This is your chance to give that idea the attention it deserves and take action. Each episode I have a chat with a fascinating person from entrepreneurs to athletes, celebrities, my parents, rocket scientists, and all walks of life. We talk through a critical time when they've asked themselves, why not now? We dissect that day or even that moment, step by step. All right, so you're in for a treat today. (laughs) When I need business advice, There are a few people I call, and I just a couple. I can count them all on one hand. And today we have one of them on the show. Vic Keller is here to talk to us today, and the episode today is basically a masterclass for entrepreneurship and business. So get your pens and pencils out, because I know I took a lot of notes. Little background on Vic. So Vic started his entrepreneurial journey when he was 25. He left the corporate world. We talk about that, what that experience was like. And he went on to create many different companies. He eventually sold his company to Mr. Warren Buffett at Berkshire Hathaway. No big deal, right? Uh, Since then, he's gone on to create additional companies. He has a portfolio, does a lot of investing, And he's just an all-around good guy. He grew up with really humble beginnings, and we talk through that. We talk through what humility means to him, and this is a really unique definition. I actually wrote down this quote. It's a tweetable, and so hopefully he tweets it. I'll definitely be quoting him soon here. But he has a different unique spin on not only humility but what it means to grind. He doesn't love that word, yet you can bet he definitely works hard. So we discuss his strategy as well, which is a combination of passion and desire. So let's hop into it with Vic. And before we do, just a heads up, we have another Renegade session coming up on April 27th, Monday, 10 a.m. Pacific. This is, it's free, and we are going to be focused on humanizing your brand and innovating your approach to social media and your personal brand in general. So I will be teaching on that topic. It's something I've been studying for the last 12, 13, 14 years. And I'm going to share some of the takeaways, some of the secrets, uh, formulas, as well as just the things that seem to work. So if you're feeling like you are kind of drowning in that sea of sameness right now, or if you're just ready to go, you're ready to finally show up online as you and create that connection, which does convert, I can tell you then um, join us. Head to RenegadeSessions.com. You can sign up. Again, it's free. We do have a DJ, a live DJ, which is pretty rad. And, um, and so we, we have fun with it. But these are tangible, tactical things that you can start implementing immediately. So RenegadeSessions.com. We'll get you there. You sign up. We send you a link. And um, I'll see you on April 27th. Are you ready for change? Or maybe you're already in a season of expansion. As we embrace this new decade, are you ready to take action on your own why not now idea? Maybe that means starting the company, launching the podcast, writing the book, or doing more public speaking, injecting your why into what you are doing. At the end of the day, that is exactly what creates connection. And connections convert. My life work is to help guide women through this very stage in their life. I do this through the Renegade Brand Bootcamp. It truly is the career love of my life. The reason I love this program so much is because I'm able to create a mosaic, a collection of like-minded, like-hearted, driven women who come together to level up. They learn the renegade mentality directly from me, and I share everything I've learned over the past 20 years in business. It's equal parts education, collaboration, accountability, and community. We are accepting applications for our 2020 program, and you are welcome to go check everything out about the program at renegadebrandbootcamp.com. And as a very first step, just sign up for my five-day email series. I uncover All of the questions about the boot camp and help you understand if it's right for you. We've had some incredible women come through the program, and you will hear from them as well. You can check out the curriculum, the structure, the vibe, and everything in between. Many years ago, I went to Mark Cuban and asked him for investment advice. I thought I was going to get some real estate or stock market type of advice. Instead, he said, invest in yourself invest in your own growth, invest in yourself, bet on yourself. This is the best ROI you will ever find. If you're at that point where you are ready to take action, head to renegadebrandbootcamp.com. Vic, my friend, welcome to the Why Not Now show. It's been a long time coming. I'm excited about our conversation that we're about to have here. Let's kick right off in the spirit of Why Not Now. Can you tell me about a time when you had a big decision to make and you had to ask yourself, why not now?
0: Yes. So uh, thanks for having me, Amy Joe. So fun to be on Why Not Now. So I've had two kind of Why Not Now moments in my life. One was uh, a lot riskier than the other, but both of them were pretty interesting. The first one, um I was when I got out of college, I went to work for J P. Morgan, and I was in banking and having a ton of fun and working with entrepreneurs every day, um primarily in the commercial side of banking. and um, it was it was just a blast. I mean, I got to deal with, all different kind of businesses, all the way from contractors to technology companies to anybody you could think about that would have commercial banking needs. And uh, every day was a blast for me because I was just around entrepreneurs and had already re- really spent most of my life just thinking about being an entrepreneur. But I found my way to banking right out of college and there I was in banking and I Decided one day that that I was gonna make a change and and, and be an entrepreneur and uh, but I had an amazing mentor uh, in the bank a very very uh, senior executive uh, person that I've got aligned with at JP Morgan and and uh, went to this mentor and uh, just a wonderful lady and said hey I think I'm gonna leave and go start my own business and she said you know that she would hate to lose me but that I could always come back and be a banker and I thought. That is really a, uh, a a nice way to to compliment uh, the opportunity. So I thought about it a bit longer, um, kind of after I got permission to leave, started my first company, I, had, I guess I was about 25 years old. And um, so I moved from this big environment where there was tens of thousands of employees and corporate benefits and training programs and just everything you could want within the critical mass of a huge corporation. And I moved into my own business quickly. And so that was a, that was a blast. And that was in about 2002. And so from 2002 until 2010, I I figured out that it was a lot of fun to start companies. And um, I started 10 different companies over that time. It was pretty easy. I found a website I could go to and spend a few hundred dollars (laughs) and uh, form a uh, LLC online. And uh, I had a great creative director, graphic designer on my team. And I would go into his office and say, hey, I have this new idea and we'd start a company. And, and that was the fun and the easy part. The hard part was executing and making it work. And we did make it work and it was it was just a lot of fun. So in 2010, after I started my last company, um, I kind of really spent the next few years just operating the businesses. And, and uh, then in 2014, I had a opportunity to sell those businesses and, and the businesses were acquired by a um, great uh, <laughs> suitor uh, for the future of the businesses. And so I spent a couple more years working uh, for the new owner of the businesses and continuing to operate the companies that I had built, taking this big leap of faith that, you know, I was gonna go be this entrepreneur, it turned out pretty well. And as I found myself back into kind of a corporate setting again, I was like, gosh, I was like, I really wanna be an entrepreneur and uh, that's what I had done for for most of my career at that point. So in 2018, I made the decision that I was going to leave my companies that I had sold and and go do something new, and I would say that that felt like a uh, smaller jump than the first jump, Uh, and and really, it was a huge why not now moment for me because uh, my companies were um, owned by Berkshire Hathaway after I they were acquired by Berkshire Hathaway.
1: Which is Mr. So, Warren Buffett, for those listening. If, if you're not going to name drop, I will for you. <laughs>
0: yeah, so it was really a huge privilege to have the companies be under the stewardship and ownership of uh, Berkshire Hathaway. And so, you know, I, leaving that environment was really tough because they're one of the most prestigious, amazing companies on the globe and obviously uh, led by just a leader that is uh, unbelievable. So to make that move the second time, financially was not as tough, but, um, quite candidly, uh, from a infrastructure and just overall environment perspective, it was a big, uh, why not now moment for me. So, um, then in 2018, I decided I was going to go start uh, a new journey. Uh, I took a few months off, then j- dove right back in and started starting companies again. And so those are kind of my two why not now moments. And I would say that both of them came with, uh, energy and anxiety and, and, uh, excitement. And, you know, I, I really love change. Uh, I've always loved change, but I will say starting my first company at a young age, uh, felt like I was doing just a completely crazy thing, but it all worked out.
1: Well, that's, it's, I mean, 25, right? So you, you started this game at age 25. And when I think about, you know, the mentor you had when you were, um, at JP Morgan and how she, Encouraged you to take this next step. That for anyone listening, I mean, if you are a boss, an employer, and you know you have someone who's just got that entrepreneurial spirit and they're itching to go spread their wings, what a gift that she gave you to say, "Hey, well, you can always you can come back." And I mean, that's our biggest fear is like, what's the worst thing that that can happen? I don't have a job, I don't have a roof over my head, so on and so forth. So for her to at least kind of do that for anyone listening, if, if you can, that's a huge gift. So that's, that's amazing, but it's still extremely scary. So if you dissect that moment, you know, you're in her office or, or you're thinking about making that leap and we were to kind of look under the hood of your decision making process, how much has it changed over the years? And, and what did it look like then in terms of that risk and, and willingness to, step into the unknown?
0: Well, I, you know, I, um, I came from, uh, I was brought up in an amazing family, but, um, we didn't have any financial means to, to speak of, to fund any kind of crazy business ideas I had. So really, um, you know, the burden was, was on me to make hay and make it happen. And so, you know, I'd say from a financial perspective, I had a very young family, um, and, and didn't have much money saved up. Um, But was really passionate about wanting to do something entrepreneurial. So that side of it was filled with anxiety, but it also was a bit of a renegade mentality in the sense of I was like, I'm just going to go do this and uh, it's going to work and I'm going to be relentless in my pursuit of success. And so, you know, that was tough. And I will say that that conversation you mentioned, um, where I was sitting down with this amazing lady that was a leader in, in a global organization and she was saying, hey, you know, you've, you've done this for a few years and you understand it, you could come back. That really did give me a sense of a security that, hey, if it didn't work out, which I really didn't see as an option, um, but if it didn't work out, um, I had somewhere to go and I and I could still go be the professional that i had been the past few years So, you know, I think that people that are in corporate jobs that are working for big companies And they really want to take that big step that why not now step I think when when we think about failure and what failure looks like, you know A lot of times failure looks a lot uglier than it actually is. You learn so much from taking these big steps. And, you know, if, if you have the uh, tenacity and the drive and the passion and the desire, you know, there's a lot of different places to win in this amazing global economy that we live in.
1: You've been doing this for a while, and you've started many different companies. The fact that you would just call in your graphic designer, creative director, and be like, "Hey, let's start this one," um, just cracks me up. And, and that I didn't realize when I first started my first company, I didn't even know you could get your LLC online. I went down to the courthouse in like 2008, so you were <laughs> you're six years ahead of me when you did that. And you would just you just go. You said to me just now that it wasn't an option, really, to to fail. I mean, and, and we can, we can dissect the semantics around that word, but you seem to have a pretty quick start. Like, is it, would you say much more intuitive skew or are you super analytical looking at the data and the numbers combo? Like when you're, when you're making a decision about something and you, are getting pitched all day, every day for investment too, from entrepreneurs, what's your process?
0: So I think I'll give you two different perspectives. So in 2002, when I'm starting my first company, 100% of my strategy was just passion and desire. I just wanted to win. I loved the idea of creating something, of building a business. And at that point in time, you know, I was prepared to go be a salesperson and an accounting person and just everything that you had to be to make it work. So I took that leap of faith um, really just out of passion and desire, but is what it looked like for me was was going out and selling and generating revenue and, and creating a value proposition that people would really react to and that would be appealing to them. And so I focused on that. I mean, I was completely the, uh, you know, the, the company had one employee. It was me. As we created some success, we were very much bootstrapped. I ended up uh, funding the companies between two different credit cards I had. I had about $70,000 in credit card debt that I put on two different credit cards. And uh, that kind of paid for for my life and some uh, business expenses. And so that was just, my first big leap was just passion, desire. It was It was about just generating revenue, winning, closing deals, and building a company that, a value proposition, again, that would appeal to people. And I would say that as I started future companies, um, and I had the luxury of being a little bit more, I would say, just intelligent about how I was going to act on the business opportunity, I would certainly get into the data, the analytics, and, and, and different elements along the way. But you know, I figured out after I started my first company that the success of all these businesses we're going to be built on the team I could surround myself with. And so when I was working in the early days trying to you know, gain customers, generate revenue, and, and uh, close business, the prize of that was not the paycheck I was going to get. The prize of that is, okay, who's really smart and amazing that I'm going to be able to go out and get on my team? And build scale. So as I've gotten, um, I guess, a little bit more experienced and seasoned in business, um, there's so many extraordinary ways to, with technology that you can look at businesses today and you can look at, you know, the data, the analytics, what the, you know, potential is for a customer base, how you can just get so many assets and resources. And again, when I first started all those complex, uh, what felt like would have been complex at the time, uh, things weren't in play. It was just how hard could I go work and how much could I hustle? I tell you today, as I think about business opportunities, it's almost daunting how much is available to really go do due diligence to make sure what you're going to do is going to work. And I will say that I am yet to find a business opportunity in industry that is going to succeed based on objective information you're going to figure out before you go execute on it. In other words, nothing's a sure deal. Mm-hmm. I mean, nothing's a sure deal. You can talk yourself in or out of any opportunity that you look at. At least that's how I see things.
1: It's so good to hear that coming from you because I I think about how every time I have a plan for something, 99% of the time it changes as soon as I get started anyway. And it's it's good to have a plan, but we can get stuck in that analysis paralysis and, and never actually take action. And i I see it happen so often with some of the female entrepreneurs I work with. Uh, I'm not in my home studio today and I've, I don't know if you can hear it, but I've got a lovely train over here. Here it's a ghost town um, downtown because we're in the middle of our pandemic here, yet you can hear the train. So hopefully that's not too distracting. Um, I'm
0: glad the trains are still moving.
1: That is a great point. There's some supply chain management going on. So you, I want to talk a little bit about humility because you, you did, you, you came from humble beginnings and gosh, your parents must be so proud. It's, it's a pretty big deal what you've been able to accomplish and grow and you lead big teams. What does humility mean to you? And- for those listening, you know the, the pros and the cons too. Sometimes I think people can um, almost mistake in humility for confidence and not have enough out of the gate to to believe in themselves too. But they're they're different things. So can you talk to me a little bit about humility because you really embody you embody it, and and it'd be easy for someone who's been as successful as you have to to kind of lose touch.
0: I um, you know, I'll kind of take this a couple different ways, Amy Joe. The the first is humility to me, it is quite candidly, I think it's the easiest way to win and it's the best way to protect yourself. I'd like to think that I'm authentically uh, humble, but as a great friend of mine once told me, if you uh, say you're humble, how humble is that? So um, I'm cautious not to say that I'm overly humble, but I would say that humility is really to me, is empathy and compassion mixed with everything else that we know and i came from a great family i have a great family and and again you know our means were not deep and rich when it came to to thinking about the commercialization of businesses or building things that uh, we see out in the marketplace today but i really was able early on to be just authentic and transparent with people that i talked to about my ideas And I found them, you know, just receptive and responsive to that. So I've never been penalized for being authentic or being humble um, and just treating people um, compassionately and having empathy for people's situations. So there's a lot of things that, you know, I think bite you in business or people are fearful of biting you. But at the end of the day, um, I think confidence is really important. I think arrogance is a massive turnoff and being humble, I guess the best way to say it for me is, you know, just having a humble approach and being authentic and being compassionate and being empathetic and truly caring about people is a really a winning strategy for, for life, and, and certainly it's a winning strategy for when you're trying to bring great players on your teams. And for me, it's, it's as I mentioned, the first business I ever built, goal number one was to make sure um, I could surround myself with the best possible people to build these businesses. And uh, to do that, I had to be compassionate, empathetic, supportive, humble. I had to be somebody that they truly would want to work for and live that life authentically. So, you know, I would say that it's always been easy for me to be that way because I think that's what most people want. Um, Again, a lack of confidence uh, is not a um, good way to approach anything. I think you can be very confident and I think to some degree you can be proud. But at the end of the day, I've just found that when I'm dealing with customers, when I'm trying to develop new products, when I'm trying to recruit the best employees that are available in the marketplace, humility, compassion, empathy, um, and just a a authentic, you know, approach overall seems to win.
1: Mm. I wrote down something you said, and you should tweet this later. It's a tweetable. Humility is the easiest way to win and the best way to protect yourself. That's that's good, and it's it's a different way to look at it too. I think that's a reframe. Um, so let's let's talk about the elephant in the room. You know, we're in the middle of a pandemic. Um, we've got some huge turbulence, if, if you'd even call it that. It could be considered worse in our economy. And you lead, you know, you've led companies for years and big, big teams, having big conversations with large teams is not new to you, but you had one recently, right. With your, your current leadership team. And can you tell us what you said, how, how you're leading through this time and what does one say to, you know, a team of people in such an uncertain time and and provide that empathy and compassion, but still motivation. And um, Yeah. yeah. How did, how did that sound? What, what happened?
0: So, you know, um, Amy Joe, it's been a very, very interesting past few weeks. It's developed more and more every day, and that, to some degree, changed the, changes the messaging that comes along with addressing um, what's going to be the most, you know, efficient and effective strategy in a time like this. So we have hundreds of employees, and we have a we have global businesses. So just a few days ago, I had the opportunity to have an all hands meeting with all of our folks in Europe, uh, in India. And then in the United States, this is a global challenge we're all going through. And is what's interesting is everybody is um, handling it the same way. And that's with concern and caution, maybe a little bit of fear. It really is the great equalizer that this isn't a cultural thing. This is not a, um, a country thing. This is a global thing. So we're all in this together and uh, working from, you know, I would say a, a, a level playing field field. And so for me, you know, I would say this is the opportunity for leaders to lead their very best. And it's the opportunity for the team members, the employees, the the key stakeholders within organizations to be their very best. So first and foremost, people are concerned. And I don't think you can take that concern away. But one of the big things that I've focused on is really letting everyone know that we are going to focus on what we can control. And as what we can control is being positive, having great attitudes, doing our very best to maintain the health of our business, um, first and foremost, protecting the health of everybody that works in our companies, that is absolutely number one. And what a great time um, for a company to truly show through actions what I think employees uh, wanna hear from their employer and that's that, that we care and we're gonna do our very best to take care of you first and foremost. And so we've really focused on that. Um, that's been my message. You know, lots of empathy, lots of compassion. But at the same time, you know, we aren't using this opportunity to, to scare anybody or give people caution about what the future holds. Um, we just want everyone focused on winning. So, you know, I would say that that the message has just been not well scripted. It's just been, um, straight from the heart, straight from the mind. And, and, and here's what we're doing and here's who we are. And, um, just today, uh, we had a, we have a, in one of our companies, we have a, uh, lunch and learn every Friday. And today we had a lunch and learn with, uh, you know, many people, hundreds of people on a lunch and learn in a zoom session. And, uh, you know it was so fun i mean to see people you know sitting some were sitting in in the forest some were sitting by a pool some were sitting at their desk oh, some were cool. eating somewhere but 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 it really is uh you know it was a great collaborative session and we kept our lunches and learns going that we normally do uh, live in person and uh we've just let business go on normally the way the best way we possibly can to keep it as normal as we can so my message to them is we have to be our very best right now. We have to be our very best for our customers. They need us more than ever before. You know, we want to be the very best employer. We want the very best employees. And the leaders of the company have the burden of being the best leaders they could possibly be. So we focused on that. You know, one of the things that we really, um, a message that I've communicated um, to the team throughout this whole time is when hunters aren't hunting, they're sharpening their tools. This is an amazing time that we're all going through. And I say amazing, not necessarily in a great way, but in a challenging way, and it can be in a great way. And And, and the positive from this time can be that we can sharpen our tools. We can get smart, whether it be reading books, whether it be listening to podcasts, whether it be taking on time, uh, online educational sessions, Whatever it is that's gonna allow our personnel globally to sharpen their tools, to get better, we wanna support that. And we also wanna financially support that. So um, I've really encouraged our teams if there's online courses they wanna take, if there's just different venues they wanna do from a remote setting or take advantage of from a remote setting that's gonna allow them to be sharper, um, we wanna make those investments right now and we're highly encouraging them to make those investments in themselves. How often in business do we have the opportunity to take somewhat of a time out mm-hmm. and really focus on sharpening what matters the most? And that's the value that we bring to the marketplace and helping the people that work in the company professionally develop so they can be the best they can possibly be.
1: Mm, so true. And it's, I think that's extremely helpful too as people are listening, whether you have two employees or you're leading yourself <laughs> or you're leading a big team, everything you just said really applies. And I mean, I I have so much respect for your business mind, Vic, and some of the changes, you know, if you were to be a futurist of this post-COVID-19, between the customer journey and just looking at how we use space and working together or not, like, do you have a couple of things that come to mind that you're really looking at wondering, okay, I think that this is going to really shift the way this happens in business or... I'm sure there are quite a few, but what are your thoughts?
0: Yeah, so, you know, first of all, think about all of these companies that have been hiring, you know, a a big, deep, wide workforce forever, but they've been limited on the talent that they could get in some geographic areas because they believed that that position respectively needed to be in the office. I think companies are learning right now that there's more opportunities to have a remote workforce than they ever could have imagined. Mm -hmm. And, and, and that's a global opportunity. You know, that's, that's an opportunity where companies, you know, in Europe can work with companies or or, I should say talent that's in Europe can work for a U.S. company. And we could take that all over the globe. Um, So I think first and foremost, is um, we've learned a lot about a remote work environment. I think that we also, in that very same breath, there's a lot of people that work day to day in an environment where they have a lot of team members around. And I think everybody's gonna go back to work and appreciate each other a little bit more. I heard just yesterday that uh, somebody had made the comment that maybe we should shake hands less and, and to keep the germs away. I don't know if that's right, wrong or indifferent, but I have a good feeling that when this all comes, you know, back together and we're all back to work, that there's gonna be a lot more hugs than we've ever seen before. And uh you know people are going to really be glad to be able to to see each other and work in a uh, environment where they 're not having to socially distance themselves so I think there 's going to be some interpersonal things that we 're going to learn through this from a business perspective. you know I think back to two thousand and eight and two thousand and nine, that was a very, very long season of trials and tribulations in business and it really was uh, it really was challenging. But if you recall, everybody came back to work in two thousand and ten. And they um, were lean in their, the way they operated their businesses. They focused on controlling expenses and how they could get margin expansion through just being disciplined and strategic in the way they ran their companies. And I think that as we move out of this pandemic that we're in, we're going to see the same behavior where we're learning a lot right now. And we're having a chance, taking the chance to, to look at our financial statements and where we get our supply chain products from. I could go on forever, but I think that we'll come back in to the marketplace, um, hopefully very quickly, and I think that companies are just going to be smarter, and I think that the stakeholders in the companies overall are, are going to be smarter and more pointed in what they're paying attention
1: to. It'll be fascinating to see two length of time. That's such a good point you made. I mean, you look at the economic cycle in 2008, 2009, and how, how long and and how, long, how much the duration will or won't impact the next steps in the next season. I have a bunch of rapid fire questions for you, only because I know I'm, I'm wanting to get so much in. But before we go there, I have heard you say you hate the word grind, and it lit me up because... I do too, and I used to be addicted to it. So, can you talk to me about that? I know when you said you first got started, you're 25, and you hustled. You did, and your passion and your desire was your strategy. How has that shifted? Why do you hate the word "grind"? Uh, because I think it's so important for individuals, especially when you you've experienced certain levels of success, where people just probably assume, okay, he's just grinding it out, and. And so I'd love to hear your thoughts on this. When people say, I'm in a grind, what do, you, what do you think?
0: Yeah, so I, you know, look, I, I, the, <laughs> if you break down what that, what that really means, you know, I don't know that I'm against the concept of grinding, but I do believe that there's a, uh, a lot more fun way to look at the concept of what people are trying to say when they say grind. So I think working hard and working smart, you know, that's a winning strategy, And sometimes when I hear the term grind, it makes me think that you're just having to fight through challenging times again and again and again, and just until you finally figure out how to win. And I think that ultimately, if you're going to achieve big success, you're going to have to hustle. You're going to have to work hard. You're going to have to develop professionally every single day. Um, You're going to have to just pick up so many different skill sets that are gonna all be a culmination ultimately that drive success. And so um, when people say I'm, I'm gonna go grind, I feel like that terminology doesn't really define what the action needs to be. Grinding sounds like I'm just gonna go work hard and uh, working hard is not necessarily a winning strategy. You have to work hard and work smart and you have to be mindful of what you're doing. So I think that there's no such thing as an overnight success um, mm-hmm. in any business that I've ever seen in my life, you know, it takes time and you certainly are having to hustle and, and learn. But, mm-hmm. uh, for me, it's maybe it's just the word. I'm just not <laughs> a big fan of, you know, I hear, I, I see on, on different social mediums and other places, you know, let's just go grind. And, uh, it just does not sound like where I want to spend tomorrow.
1: <laughs> Absolutely. And maybe the connotation there, the, the semantics when, when they get involved it can take a lot of different meetings. But what I hear from you, and you mentioned whether it's the passion, the desire, you have fun while while you're learning, while you're putting in the, the hard yards. But also there's a level of, as you mentioned, desire, where that's something that you actually, you can tell you enjoy it. I used to say a lot, your hustle factor is oftentimes your differentiating factor. Like, you know, who's going to be able to compete with that? In this stage where we are, If you opened up Instagram right now, like you said, you'd probably see either a hustle, grind, chase, grasp, work, you know, sleep when you die 24 7 type of quote or meme, or maybe you would see a manifest it, allow, surrender, drink kombucha, do yoga, and, you know, let it appear. And it drives me crazy because I've tried both and neither are a good idea, right? Neither. So, so that burnout, especially around entrepreneurship, and, and to kind of actually be more more serious about this, it can be a real problem where that's the only thing people have, and they, they take it so far where uh, their health, you know, their sense of self worth and meaning really starts to to look differently. And so that's usually where I'm headed when I when I ask that, <laughs> you know, what did you mean by grind? Yeah. Do you see that with you- entrepreneurs that you're working with?
0: I do. I do. And, um, you know, I'll tell you a little story that I learned when I was, uh, oh, I don't know, just probably 10 years ago. I am not a great golfer, um, but I play golf every once in a while. And Mm -hmm. I went to get a golf lesson. I had a golf, my golf instructor was sitting there talking to me about my swing and everything. And, and he finally stopped me and he said, you're killing your golf club. And I said, well, what do you mean? He said, you're squeezing this thing to death. And he said, your grip is just too tight. And I said, really? And he said, yeah. And he said, hold the golf club like you're holding a banana. He said, you don't want to squeeze it so much that everything's going to you know, come out of the banana, but you want to squeeze it so much that when you're swinging it, it doesn't come out of your hands. So he said, basically loosen your grip. Mm-hmm. And so, of course, I'm looking at the guy going, yeah, right, whatever. <laughs> and so I lean, I lean over and I get in the swing and all of a sudden when I hit the ball, it doesn't hurt. It's going straight and everything (laughs) worked out really well. Now, let me just tell you, um, I've never really gotten that great at golf, but point being is I learned a lot from that golf lesson, not about golf really, but about a lot of different things. And the reality is that, you know, sometimes the harder you squeeze something, the firmer your grip is, and is the less effective you are. And so if you loosen your grip and you think a little more openly, and you're not just always trying to quote-unquote grind, things can come together pretty well. And I can tell you, the re- one of the reasons I am uh, a little apprehensive of some of the cliches, terms that are out there is, at the end of the day, people want to enjoy what they're doing. Mm-hmm. And they want fulfillment, they want purpose in what they're doing. And um, for me as an entrepreneur, trying to build businesses my my whole life and helping people build their businesses, ultimately the number one point of success in doing that is to have the very best people you can around you, both as your customers and also as your stakeholders and employees in the company. So at the end of the day, I try to position really how we operate these companies and what we do with front and center that people have to be able to gain fulfillment and purpose and joy out of what they're doing. If they don't, generally it's not sustainable. Smart people are not gonna live in a spirit of insanity for a long period of time. And if you do live in a world of insanity, and people are happy and doing that every single day, I would just question if you have uh, the best player you can in that seat.
1: It's such a good, good takeaway. I, and I love the the golf swing, golf club analogy. It's so good. And easing up sometimes uh, can really speed you up, it seems. Um, and it's more fun at times. But all right, I have uh, a, couple a couple rapid, rapid fire system. questions. Are you down? Are you ready to go? Yeah, let's go. <laughs> okay. What's the non negotiable in your day?
0: Non negotiable, I'm going to give you two. Okay. Um,
1: <laughs> Renegade.
0: <laughs> a, a, yeah, a, a venti Starbucks. And then my second is going to be music. Mm. So, yeah. So I could give you a lot of uh, tools and different, uh, business things. But for me, I, uh, I love to start my day out with a, a big cup of coffee and listening to some great music.
1: Ooh, I like this theme. We're getting to know the person behind the personality here. <laughs> okay. So what's one lesson you find yourself learning over and over Vic?
0: Saying when would saying yes too often. Okay. Saying yes too often. So I, uh, I am, I, I have a really hard time not pursuing every opportunity, um, that I have the privilege to to get introduced to and see. And uh, so I find myself often um, saying yes too much and and no, not enough. And that kind of fills my calendar up some days and I regret it the next.
1: Gotcha, gotcha. Th- that might parlay into this next one, but I'm not gonna allow you to use that one again. So top time right. management tip.
0: <laughs> oh, top so time <laughs> management tip. Yeah, top time management tip. You know, top time management tip for me is... is uh, communicating in the way I want to be uh, communicated back with. So as an example, if I send someone an email and ask them to call me, then, you know, I I would be, and that would be a, uh, I guess, a no-no for me. I would pick the phone up and call them to ask them to call me back. So is what I've learned is having a text thread and an email thread and a phone thread on the same conversation just creates uh, a lot more time for everybody involved. So I have different mediums of communication depending on what I want to accomplish. And sometimes it's very efficient, effective to use text, sometimes email and sometimes phone. But um, I try not to mix the three. Mm. Um, and I've just been working on that for the last mm. few months. And it's, uh, it's given me a lot more margin um, in my communication.
1: That's good. That's unique too. Thank you. What's your, your go-to right now for news? Top destination for news?
0: well we're in the middle of a global pandemic so i'm kind of uh i'm reading everything um you know i i actually enjoy getting my news from twitter um mm-hmm. and uh because it's very bite sized and digestible and you can um, and curate can look,
1: it too you know who yeah. you trust those opinions yeah
0: yeah it's it's good and you know i'm going to say that that Right now, I'm just it, it, we're, again we're in a global pandemic, so it's a it's an interesting time. But uh, you know, I will say that I love the uh, USA Today, the good old fashioned USA Today, um, is a good, quick way for me to get what's going on in each different category, and uh, and uh, I you know that would be one medium I would use.
1: Final question: What what would you tell your younger self if you could go back to that 25 year old and you're walking out of the office at JP Morgan? <laughs> what would you say to him
0: you know i think that mental health and physical health are an amazing competitive advantage in in just anything in life whether it be relationships whether it be business um whether it be adventure anything you want to do i love to cycle and to scuba dive and fly airplanes i have all kind of fun things that i love to do but i would say that if i go back and think of my younger self and i'm 25 years old um i would just have a a Deep entrenched discipline to be as healthy as I could possibly be um, physically and mentally, and make that a priority every single day, mm-hmm. and just get into that groove right away. So that would that would probably be it as far as uh, my overall approach to business. You know, I think that it's I, I really wouldn't want to change anything because that naive passion and drive that I had to want to go win and uh, really capitalize in this unbelievable world that we live in. Um, I just. You know, I pray every day that that does not go away.
1: I just want to thank you for your time and your wisdom today, of course, and sharing with us, but also for uh, for your mentorship. I consider you, you know, someone who has guided me along the way and whether it's a deal, hey, should I invest in this, Vic? And then you have this brilliant wisdom or just on a, on a personal level, you know, you have just such a, an awesome true balance. And I appreciate that. Uh, and I mean it. So thank you for sharing. I'd love to have you back on sometime. This was just too short. Uh, yeah. and, and we'll be following your journey. Where's the best place people can follow you?
0: Yeah. You know, I am, uh, I am on all the social platforms, uh, really love Twitter and they can go to at Vic Keller and then, uh, the exact same handle at Vic Keller on Instagram. Those two places, I'm, I'm, I'm just getting in my groove on in Instagram, but I, I really love uh, that platform overall. It seems to be a uh, pretty encouraging, happy place for everybody to go. So certainly there, and uh, they can go to vickeller.com and find me. And um, I love helping, collaborating with uh, entrepreneurs and people that are working on startups and, and just need any type of uh, help. I Any margin I have in my day, I'm happy to give it up for uh, folks that are trying to win big.
1: Hey everyone. Thanks for listening to the show. Hit me up on social media to let me know what you think. I'm at Amy Joe Martin on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn. And I want to hear your Why Not Now moments so I can share them on the show. Just send me a note to Why Not Now at For show notes and other offers, you can visit amyjomartin.com forward slash why not now. And while you're there, don't forget to sign up for my email newsletter for exclusive content and announcements. A big thanks to Rock Salt Music for all of the tunes by the talented John Coggins. And of course, a hat tip to Richard Gruer for editing and producing the show. I'll see you next time. And until then... Why not now?